about the Parsha and Vayishlach, and also as it relates to um, to the holiday of Yutis Kislev, which a lot of times is in Vayishlach, and uh, also to Yud Kislev, which is today the tenth day of Kislev. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the um, about the mental Rebbe. Uh, that's the middle Rebbe. Um, of course, the Alter Rebbe was the founder. So what, what does the mean of a founder? He, was, he put the seed in. He put the seed in. He put the seed of many ideas. Like, all of the Alter Rebbe's Hasidis are brilliant, new ideas. Now those ideas have later been sort of developed. It's no different, Lahavdil, as you say, like somebody comes up an idea in science, comes up with some sort of an, an idea, and then later on you read the laboratory and then you develop it till you make it something practical that people tangible. So the Mittler Rebbe was considered one that provided uh, a lot of breadth and depth into the teaching of his father. He was also responsible for um, teaching the Hasidim, for uh, uh, leading them in the direction. But the Middle Rebbe was heavily immersed in the study, in all studies, but also in the study of Hasidus. They actually said that there was an expression, they wanted to express how much he was involved, immersed in the study. Uh, that when you would cut his finger, it wouldn't be blood flowing, it would be blood flowing chassidus. That's how much it was uh, uh, involved. But one thing about the Rebbes, you know, there was always challenges in the fact that they had opponents. And the opponents, uh, they didn't want, didn't like the success of the Rebbe, or they didn't like that there was so many people getting attached, so they try to interfere. And sometimes the means that they used to interfere were not holy means. They weren't right. They used to slander, go to the government, and they would try to get them. Now one thing is beautiful about the Alter Rebbe from this parsha that we learned. Alter Rebbe always wrote, and this is the Tanya, he wrote never ever to give back. He always says to learn from Yosef and his brothers how they treated him. Notwithstanding, they sold him for so many years to slavery and everything else, and yet he treated them. Never allowed for Hasidim to give back, to pay back in kind what they did, never allowed. And he quoted a lot from the verse, he says, So, this was Yaakov was saying, he was afraid of Esau. Why was he afraid of Esau? But God promised him that he's going to protect him. But he says, Hashem, you were so nice to me. You did so much good for me. You know, you protected me from love and I have my family. You know, It tells us a lot about the character of Yaakov. You know, sometimes a person can complain to Hashem and say, you know, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. He looked at the positive. He didn't complain. He says, Hashem... You were so gracious to me. You know that I have a family, I have my children, I have my wives. Well, love and try to cheat you, but he didn't complain. So he says, he was worried that maybe he ate up all of the benefits, his protection. Maybe he's no longer protected because he used up all of his merits already for what Hashem has given him. 
So literally, the simple study says, Kotonti, you know, I've become small, in other words. I've become insignificant. I'm no longer worthy of the, uh, of God's, uh, perhaps, God's protection, maybe. This is literal. The Altarebbe explained it a little bit more. In the inner meaning, he says, I've become more humble. Kotonti means God experienced more humility. Because he says, the closer, when Hashem does a miracle for you and helps you, that means that Hashem shows you a certain closeness. Hashem sort of embraces you because He gives you a special miracle. He shows you a special love. He shows you a special care. So that feeling of closeness to Hashem should make you more humble so that you should not feel yourself so much, but rather leave Hashem into bring Hashem into your life. Like what I would say, that ego means exit God out. Humility means bring God in. That means that the more humble you are, the more you can be accepting of Hashem and the more you can be closer to Hashem. So the way the Rebbe explains that, the Rebbe says, Kotoiti, Mikola Chasodni Mikola Emes. I become smaller, I become more humbler, more because of all the Chasim. And then Rebbe used to say that. Don't answer the mesnagdim, don't answer them, don't fight back. Just do the right thing. Don't give back, and don't fight back, and just keep on spreading light, don't give back. That's what he used to say. The Alter Rebbe was sort of the charismatic leader that everybody recognized, that he, his knowledge, his leadership, he was like the leader by everybody's standards. And the people weren't ready for the Alter Rebbe to pass on. They didn't think. He wasn't like sick that he, that he was passing on. He was in the early 70s, but he wasn't, you know, he was still, or was he 70? Around 70. I'm not sure. In the Ayin Gimel, uh, Ayin Gimel from, uh, uh, I'm not, not sure exactly what it comes out to, to talk of hey, to talk of Ayin Gimel, what it comes out to. Uh, just short of 70, yeah. yeah. Just short of 70. He was 68 years old. So he's 68 years old, he passed away. He was born in Chayel, in Tokufei, he passed away, Chavda Al-Tevis, Tokufei, Gimel. So it was short, it was 68. So, all of a sudden, they leave the Mittler Rebbe by himself, he's the son. Now, they were running, at that time there was the war of Napoleon that was against fighting the Tsar. But the Alter Rebbe took the side of the Tsar against Napoleon. The Alter Rebbe was of the opinion that maybe Napoleon will be uh, more uh, giving physically, uh, financially for the Jewish people, but it wasn't good. Their ideas for uh, intermarriage and other things, he didn't think that it was good for the Jews under the Napoleon. Whatever, that's another whole other topic. And therefore, but Napoleon has a specific interest against the Alter Rebbe. So they were coming, can you imagine that Napoleon had an interest? And as they were coming to closer, uh, where the Alter Rebbe lived at the time in Liadi, that was the place the Alter Rebbe moved after they freed from Yutas Kislev. They gave him a place over there to live. It was a big expansion of Hasidim over there. He originally came from Lyozhne, then he went to Liadi, but uh, over there, 
they had to run away because they, the forces, the, the Napoleon's forces, the French were, were advancing very quickly. And then as they were running away, they piled up all the families on a few carriages and they were running. There was a village somewhere in some hick town over there while they were running. It was known as Kfar Piena. It was Saturday night, the Altarebbe all of a sudden passed away over there and they were left like this. All the people, the Hasidim, without any leader. And the middle Rebbe was the one that took over at that point. But they were left penniless, homeless, nothing. They had nothing. And the uh, Mittler Rebbe was going to go back to, uh, whether it was Vitebsk, I'm not, I think Vitebsk, or was going to go back to some uh, other community somehow to do something for a living or things like that. But the Hasidim realized that without a Rebbe, they're not going to be able to continue. Uh, so they raised a lot of money and they convinced the Mittler Rebbe that he should take on the mantle of leadership and they moved to Lubavitch, the city of Lubavitch. That's how Chabad came to Lubavitch mm-hmm. with the Mittler Rebbe, the Dovber, the son of the Alter Rebbe. They came to Lubavitch. And by the way, they were in, in the city of Lubavitch for the Mittler Rebbe Dovber and his son-in-law, Menachem Mendel, Menachem Tzemach Tzedek, and then by his son, the Rebbe Maharash, and then by his son, the Rebbe Rasham. Over 100 years they were there, and then they had to, again, because of the, of the war, First World War, uh, they had to move, they moved to Rostov for then at that time. So, when... To uh, huh? Rostov. Rostov, it's called. Where is that? That's in Russia, and I think maybe it's in Belarus. I'm not sure exactly. It's in Russia. Actually, if you went to yeshiva, they went to uh, to yeshiva over there. Rabbi Mikhailovitz went to yeshiva over there. Rostov. They they re-established uh, a lot of things in Russia. In any event, um, so what happens is they raised a lot of money, and they convinced them, and then. They gave it to the Mittler Rebbe, and he, he gave it over for the people to distribute it, to wait to distribute the money. Some went for the family, the Rebbe's family. They were all devastated over there. But anyways, to make the long story short, somehow the Mesnagdim got a hold of the paper, and they presented to the government the amount of money over there that they raised was like a large amount of money. And they basically said that these irregularities, it was really mostly a financial complaint against the Middler Rebbe and uh, and he had to endure you know so he had to endure a lot of uh, a lot of questioning and also there was another there was a law somehow on the books in Russia there was a law that um, a, uh, a rabbi was not allowed to raise any other monies but what he was paid by the congregation whatever somehow they I'm not sure right now I didn't read the details now so somehow the but I do want to share with you before I leave you go today, those who have to go can go, but I want to share you. Notwithstanding the great um, scholarly levels of these great Sadiqim, the Alter Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, these were people on a, on a different plane, you can say, than we are. And on their intellectual level, on holiness level, level of connection to Hashem, they were on a much higher level, but yet... They never forgot to connect with the people that were there. They always, always made sure that the people that were there were taken care of. And they took out time and energy and effort to make sure 
the physical need, the spiritual needs, financial needs of the people were met. And there's a story that involves both because the Alter Rebbe and the Middle Rebbe, and I'll tell it over as short as I can, um, it's known as the story of Rabbi Yosef Balagola, uh, Rabbi Yosef the wagon driver. And that story talks about, starts with the Alter Rebbe. There was once a, uh, again, the previous Rebbe relates the story with all the details, so I apologize if I don't give over all the details. It's going to be too long to give over all the details. I'll just tell you the punchline of the story a little bit. That Rabbi Yosef Balagola was a distinguished uh, scholar amongst the followers of the Alter Rebbe. And for many years he studied, and he was hoping that eventually he's going to take up a position, some leadership position as a rabbi in some sort of community. And one time he goes into the Rebbe for a private meeting, and the Rebbe tells him that I see that for the benefit of your soul, you need to become a wagon driver. Now, in those days, you know, today, Uber, driving Uber, a taxi, it's a prestigious job. But in those days, to be a wagon driver, that you had to be on the lower end of the <laughs> of society in order to drive a wagon with a horse and that was a whole different story so he was shocked Rabbi Yosef he was respected a revered special scholar and, and, and a special refined person he is going to become a wagon driver all these years that he spent preparing to lead a community and to be a, a distinguished a rabbi he's going to become a wagon driver he was beside. He comes home, and his wife sees that he, there's a lot of details to it. But I'm just telling you. The, 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 so his wife sees that he's upset and he's not eating. And says, "What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong?" So she nudged him. So he said he was so upset he couldn't even. He was embarrassed to tell her. So she says, "He says, you know, I went to meet the Rebbe, and the Rebbe told me that for the benefit of my soul, <laughs> I should become a Balagola." And he starts to cry. And his wife looks at him. She says, Is this the Rebbe Yisuf I know? <laughs> she says, You claim to be a chosid of the Rebbe, a follower, a dedicated uh, a person of the Rebbe. And then, as soon as the Rebbe tells you to do something, especially which is not according to your honor, then you, you're not sure? What kind of a, what kind of a chosid are you? I said, here the Rebbe tells you clearly what's the benefit for your soul. And you're doubting? I mean, what kind of... Mm-hmm. And Rabbi Yosef says, you know, he says to himself, look, she doesn't learn, uh, his wife doesn't learn the deep scholarly uh, Hasidic dissertations, and she's not involved. And she has that simple faith. The Rebbe said to do it. What kind of a question? She says, you know what, I still have my jewelry that I received from the time that we were married. I'm going to go sell it, and we'll buy you a horse and a, and a carriage, and you'll become a Balagol. So anyways, till he learned the job over there, you know, he got a few whacks from the horse's tail. <laughs> Story goes on. But anyways, the people are kidding. He realized at the end of the day, after the whole thing was said and done, he realized at the end of the day, that yeah, you could be a Balagola, but you still don't have to give up all your learning, and you don't have to give up your davening, so you don't have to go out the first thing in the morning, and you don't have to do it. So he kept a pretty rigorous, you know, spiritual schedule as well. So he didn't really, so he, he did that. And the Alter Rebbe told him, he says, by the Yechid, he says, look, the time will come, and you'll know already what you need to accomplish, or something to that effect. I'm not sure if I'm saying the words correctly, but he says, you'll know when you come. Anyways, one of those 
the travel that he was traveling. It was the governor over there who had a, a, a Jewish uh, assistant over there who became very, very uh, high-ranking assistant. And then, and he was staying over in the same inn over there where this uh, Rabbi Yosef was staying. And uh, it was that uh, that day uh, he needed to uh, go on with. They were going for some hunting, you know, big pastime over there, going hunting and this and that. And he was like one of the big top guys with them. He's sitting. His room happens to be next to Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef used to get up every night at midnight and cry for the destruction of the temple. There's something which is called Tikkun Chatzoy, some great tzaddikim. They do that, and they, they get up in the middle of the night, and they sit on the floor. They sit by a candle. They say special prayers. They say tilim. They say psalms and things like that. And they pray with that. So he used to do that. And, uh, and he's right next to them. So he was awoken from his sleep. And he hears the sweet sound of this person next door. He didn't know who it was. Was was saying those people with such warmth, with such heartfelt, with such yearning, and something touched his soul. Because he remember where he comes from. Because he was actually raised in a very religious home, and he was a very successful student in the yeshiva. As a matter of fact, he married the top grades. But at some point. He got involved with another friend who was a little corrupted that corrupted him. And eventually he sort of left the yeshiva being very talented. He was actually married to a Jewish woman. He left his wife. And he just took off. And because he was successful, he made it up in the high echelons over there. He went with the governor. But sometimes, this was here, but somehow his soul still had that spark in it. I mean, it didn't, and, and when he heard the rabbi, it really, and he started to think about how, how far he has sort of gone from where he started out, and he really felt bad about it, and it really bothered him, and um, um, he went uh, the next door, and um, he told the rabbi, Rabbi Yosef, he told him, uh, he asked him, told him basically that he would like, he doesn't have his tefillin, and he said, maybe he can use his tefillin in the, in the morning, and of course he said he could, and uh, anyways, he became very, very ill, this, this, uh, this man over there, this, this Jewish fellow became very ill, and the governor found out about it, he was in another inn, and they sent the doctors to, to go and see, and they got the best doctors, they were, you know, the, the, the elite of the, that nobody could find. But in the meantime, there was a tragedy that happened that his Goyesha wife <laughs> and his Goyesha wife and their children, they had an accident. It was a trouble accident. So they thought that's what's really bothering is him, the accident. Somebody must have told him about what happened, that he lost his wife. <laughs> but he wasn't actually in that position. He was actually... <laughs> He was, you know, it's a long, long, long how it, how it, it happened, but he became so ill that he couldn't move anywhere. And then eventually, Rabbi Yosef realized what was going on because he asked him about the tefillin and he told him a little bit. So he realized and he decided that he was going to stay there to help him until he recovers. Anyways, the long story is that he recovered, he gave up his other life, and he went back to, and he became. Uh, and the Alter Rebbe has since passed away. 
And the Mittler Rebbe as the one that took over, uh, became the Rebbe at that point. So when they came to the Mittler Rebbe, the Rebbe Yosef came to the Mittler Rebbe, he says, this is what my father had in mind. He says, to do a favor for a Yid, you have to have a serious nefesh, to give up everything that you have just to help one Jew return. And the Tzemach Tzedek, the following one said, had an expression, he says, my grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, he said, he made from a Tzadik, a Balagola. <laughs> he says, but my father-in-law made from Balagola Tzadik. Mm-hmm. He turned it right back. But the uh, Rebbe wrote a booklet, which is known as the Pekeyach Ivrim, which means, it's in Yiddish actually, the middle Rebbe wrote, open the eyes of the blind, because this man really did tshuva, he had a lot of tshuva to do for a lot of different things, again, I'm not, not judging anybody, you know, but it seemed like the, alter, the middle Rebbe gave him a very specific instructions, you know, how to daven every morning and and how we should do with his prayers and and slowly and watch psalms to say there's a whole booklet of and that's the booklet that he wrote for this Baltruva for this one return that was a one from Rabbi Yisrael So what I want to say is that these Rebbes didn't just live in the spiritual lure of their own world. They cared deeply about the people. They cared about all the people. And you see uh, the same thing you know, more closer to us, I saw by the Rebbe that notwithstanding the Rebbe's great knowledge and the Rebbe's uh, endless righteousness and holiness and everything else, but the Rebbe wanted to make a difference in the world, in everybody's life, in our own lives, in other people's lives, and he taught his Hasidim and all Jews that we are there to make a difference in other people's lives and help other people find their roots, come back, be involved in or whatever it takes mm-hmm. so hopefully on his day of redemption we'll mm-hmm. redeem ourselves from our challenges and we'll marry the coming of Mashiach to be with all the tzaddikim together Amen.